But for right. someone who may be concerned based on what you're saying, or, oh my God, I have all these, these, these symptoms, could there be an underlying autoimmune condition? What are some of those tests that they can take to determine whether or not there is an autoimmune condition. This is the Supernaturals podcast by Hair Scripts. I am your host, Bevy Hines. And on this podcast, we are talking to dermatologists, trichologists, and other healthcare practitioners about how to release the inner baddie in you, okay? Our goal is to get every woman to boost her confidence by showing her how she can reverse her age, regrow her hair, and of course, have glowing skin. So if this is you and you got friends and sisters and sister girls and all them other people, share, subscribe, follow us on YouTube, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where all podcasts are heard, played, whatever, however way we say it, and join the hair loss community. All right, it's called thehairscripts.com. Click the link down below for more info. Get you a scalp evaluation and find out what type of hair loss you are experiencing today. Ciao. Hi, Supernaturals. How are you ladies and some gents doing today? I am very excited. This is episode two of our second season of the Supernaturals podcast by Hair Scripts. And if you don't know, if this is if you're new to us, Hair Scripts is a platform connecting multi-ethnic women with hair loss to dermatologists and other hair care practitioners for treatment and support. I am super, super excited about today's guest. Today's guest is Dr. Ridu Saini. She is a double board certified dermatologist in New York City, and she is the founder of the New York Medical Skin Solutions. This is just scratching the surface of everything that she does and how she contributes to just skin overall here in New York City, okay? This is a big city. And so I just want her to talk about how she's leading the charge of not only medical dermatology, but integrative dermatology, which we're gonna go into a little bit today when we talk about the difference between medical dermatology and integrative dermatology. But before we jump into the topic, I want Dr. Saini to introduce herself formally and just talk about how did you get to this point? What's your distance traveled? Um, just let us know what led you to dermatology. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Beverly. This is okay. great. This is a great opportunity for me as well. And I'm so excited to be here. So my name is Dr. Ritu Saini. And I, as you said, I am actually, there's only one board at the moment for uh, dermatology, but I did do a certification, which I'm going to get into um, in integrative dermatology. So how it all began? Well, like, like everyone's, I guess, journey into medical school, we go through the whole rigmarole of college, med school, residency. Why did I choose dermatology? I'll tell you. It is one of the only fields that I really can see that allows us to do a little of everything. What do I mean by that? Medicine, so we can, you know, diagnose, treat diseases, procedures. It is so cutting edge. There are so many toys we can play with, so many ways to enhance a person's life, whether cosmetically. I happen to be uh, trained in Mohs surgery, which is a form of skin cancer treatment. Um, so that allows me to perform surgery and remove skin cancers, reconstruct. So that's another procedural aspect of the field. Then we have the, the pleasure and fun of treating children. We can do some pediatrics. So not only do we get to do a little of everything, but we also get to treat everyone. Um, so to me, it was like a no brainer. And um, it, I, I wanted to do it for a long time. And, and it's really my life's passion, my, you know, and, and it's it's where I wanted to be from I, as long as I can remember. 
Wow. I mean, I think I love that. That's amazing. I think it's amazing. And number one, the fact that you wanted to do this for a long time, right? You didn't just kind of accidentally stumble into dermatology. This was a passion of yours, but I just want you to help the audience understand dermatology as it um, relates to hair loss a little more specifically because, and I could be incorrect here, correct me if I'm wrong, not all dermatologists specialize in hair loss. Is that correct? So we are all trained to treat hair loss. We do have that exposure in our training. I think just as in any field of medicine, people gravitate to certain areas, certain you know disorders they want to specialize in. Like I said, I do a lot of skin cancer and cosmetic treatments. Somehow organically, I also became very involved in treating hair uh, diseases. I think part of it is through my affiliation with my hospital. Okay. So I am assistant clinical professor at NYU. And you know, you you kind of, you, you give them a, a sort of a laundry list of, of conditions that you specialize in or that you're, you're you know, you're, you're wanting to take patients in on. And that has really opened some floodgates for me. So mm -hmm. I've been doing this for, you know, I've had this practice for about 13 years. And I would say in the past six or seven years is when I really started to build up this hair loss practice. Really? So you on know, average, how many of your patients are hair loss related? You know, I, I haven't sat down to really count yeah. because we have thousands and thousands, but every day I'm seeing multiple patients every wow. day. Yeah. Wow. And what are you I, seeing mostly in your office? Like which conditions? So I see a lot of uh, a mixed bag, but um, I do see a predominance, especially lately, of scarring alopecias in, in women of color, especially that's a big, big part of my practice. Now, also in the last year or so, I'm not going to lie, we've seen a lot of female pattern, male pattern, and, and a lot of what's called telogen effluvium, which mm -hmm. is a shedding disorder that occurs from a stressful, either physical, emotional, psychological form, you know, of hair loss, where, you know, the, the in, in today's world, we all know COVID kind of, you know, set that trigger even more so. So we're seeing more of that. Wow. Wow. And I love that you kind of touched on that and how, you know, COVID is definitely correlated with telogen effluvium because I mean, it's stress related, as you mentioned, and a lot of people are wondering, cause we're seeing a lot of, you know, sometimes you want to know if something is marketing, if it's just like, it's a trending topic, but you're saying clinically, it actually is correlated. And there is an effect of COVID on hair loss. So in two ways, actually, oh. it, it can, whether you had, it, it's not necessarily that you even had to have COVID, but just having lived through our lockdowns, you know, the, the stressors that, that, that we all went through collectively as a society a year and a half ago till now, even some people are still experiencing aspects of that. Um, you know, that can definitely put a strain on our bodies and our bodies are very connected to everything, including our hair follicles. Mm -hmm. And that could result in, um, you know, losing more hair. What happens is the hair goes from, uh, and there's three phases of hair growth and a good portion of it should be in a growth phase called antigen. If too many of those hairs shift over to telogen phase, then you're gonna have this shedding that's, you know, uh, not normal and excessive, and then you're gonna start losing your hair. Hey baddies, it's your girl Bevy with Hair Scripts and I have some great news. If you are experiencing hair loss, meaning it's shedding, it's thinning, you have bald spots, it's breaking, you don't know what the problem is and you don't know how to treat it and how to fix it, do me a favor and go to thehairscripts.com 
go to our website the link is down below and use our scalp evaluation tool where you can upload up to six photos of your scalp and your problem area and one of our hair scripts hair loss experts will get back to you not only with the full evaluation but a treatment plan on how you can personally regrow your hair back based on your hair growth concerns. But that's not all. You'll also get product recommendations that are going to be better for you and not for your neighbor. Okay, so personalized hair care, girl, that's where it's at. And if that's not good and that's not reason enough for you to go, it's free, okay? Don't say and tell you. Bye. Wow. So before I even go, because my mind is just spinning and I want to go into like prevention, what can we do? But I think this is a good segue into how would you treat, right? And what's the difference in how you would treat as a medical professional or as an integrative dermatologist? So let's first start with defining sure. the difference between each. Sure. What is an integrative dermatologist? So integrative medicine is essentially what they also call functional medicine. Okay. It's really looking at the mind-body connection, everything as a whole. You're also utilizing other methods of treatments and uh, even evaluation. So, you know, as you know, dermatologists were trained with a Western bent, the allopathic method um, of training in medical school. Integrative medicine is utilizing um, Eastern medicine, mind body um we're, we're we're using botanicals we're using supplements we're looking at the body as a whole and that's where it's different you're not just treating the disease you're treating the person and you're looking at what other aspects of their lives are having an impact on their disease processes that is awesome do you find that they kind of integrate or one confirms the other well, in terms of medical and integrative? Yes. Yes. I don't think any of us who are board certified in dermatology, you know, even the integrative specialists among us, I don't think we, any of us perform either in a vacuum. So mm -hmm. we really, we really marry the two and that's where the difference comes. We really, you know, I think there, there's evidence-based medicine. I'm a big believer in that. We yes. believe in studies and research. So we're going to go for that. We're going to go for that first. But there's always scenarios where you can augment an, uh, you know, an integrative approach, um, a treatment. You can add a supplement here, a botanical here. Somebody might be gun shy about certain Western methods. Right. Uh, so then, you know, we can we can shift gears a little bit more towards the 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 integrative side of things. I really love that about you. I love that you're dynamic in that way because I've, we've had several guests on here, and they could be on either side of the spectrum. And it's funny how polarizing. Uh, the yeah. opinions are from both sides. I've had providers on here that are completely anti-supplements because they say that it's not regulated by the FDA. Um, and then I have people on here that are completely anti-medicine um, or active ingredients, etc. And so it's so funny and I love to have someone who can see the benefit from both and then you integrate, <laughs> no pun, right? Uh, right. You in implement them together. Um, so let's talk about your treatment algorithm, right? So someone walks into um, whether they're scarring or non-scarring and I want you to kind of differentiate how you would differentiate that. But I walk into your clinic and I say, hey, I think I'm experiencing hair loss. As an integrative um, and medical professional, how do you treat me? What's the steps? So the first thing I actually do is I'm going to give you a questionnaire because I don't want to take a chance that when I'm asking questions, I'm going to leave out something critical. Okay. There's a lot of things when you're evaluating hair loss that you need to ascertain. There's a ton. 
when did it start? How long ago? Was it gradual? Was it sudden? You know, that's even just very important to me right then and there. What's a question that you would ask that we, we won't assume you would ask that's related to hair loss? Well, I might ask you, um, one thing I'd ask you is what medications are you on? Okay. How long have you been on those medications? Um, what, what kind of medical problems do you have? Are you on a low protein diet? Have you had any major dietary changes recently? Of course, family history as well. Who, who in your family has hair loss? Oh, wow. So these are things I would ask. Lifestyle, you know, what's your day-to-day? -day? What kind of work do you do? Um, how many hours of sleep do you get at night? That's a very important question that I ask all the time. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking, oh my God, everything causes hair loss. At what, like, where is there going to be some type of, you know, like when, when, when am I going to find homeostasis? So I, obviously everyone's answers are going to be different. Right. So I'm sure your treatment uh, algorithm is going to be different for each one, but just walk me through like the most common, you know, um, common cause or of hair loss and how you would treat that. Okay, so if we want to pick uh, a, a very common cause, we can, if on, on the non-scarring side, okay. you know, there might be someone coming in with a little female pattern hair loss, but now it gets complicated because they've also, you know, they've been locked down for a year. They, they didn't, they were laid off. Maybe they've been under a lot of stress. A, a family member got sick, just a lot of stress in their lives. Yes. So on top of that, that, that already, genetic component, that androgenetic component, now it's been accelerated with a little hint of telogen effluvium on top of there. So I want so, to pause really quickly so that you can explain the androgenetic component to the- uh, Absolutely, 100%. So what happens is, is that in both male and females, there is this common you know, entity known as androgenetic alopecia. It's probably what we most think of when we think of the bald man. And yeah. really, it's very interesting because in men, testosterone is a clear component. We know that. We have testosterone that gets converted to a more potent form called dihydrotestosterone. That is what accelerates hair loss in men. Men that have are balding tend to have higher forms of that. And a lot of these medications that we give, I think a lot of your audience probably is familiar with it. It's on, the, it's on commercials, Propecia, that blocks that conversion, for example, Rogaine, all of these things work that way. In yeah. women, it can be a lot trickier. Yes, testosterone is playing a role, but we don't know just to what degree because there's also a conversion of testosterones to other uh, female hormones. There's other things at play there that make it far more complex. Mm -hmm. So we do, while we do treat them also in a hormonal fashion, we, you, the thing, the tricky thing with women is we, women are more likely to have a lot of scarring alopecia than men. Really? So you you really have to look at it carefully and autoimmune conditions are far more common in women than men. So you have to dissect it. A lot of times you could tell clinically what, what category they fit into and then go from there, but not always you can, it, it could be, it could be hard. Whoa. There's so much to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. So I I'm going to take a step back. Sure. Please. Because sure. I think my perception, this is me speaking for me. I assume that treating hair loss in for men was harder. Because mostly by the time you see men having those little shadows or those uh, five o'clocks or, or uh, what was sunroofs, moonroofs, 
They just go, you know, they, most of the, well, the ones that accept it or the soonest, right? They let it all go. It seems like men are not, this is just my perception that they're not treating or trying to treat as much as women. It seems like men would be more prone to scarring alopecia and women non-scarring because they're doing all types of things to repair and restore. So actually it's it's quite the opposite in a way, but you're right about one thing. Men, I think from a, a standpoint of just being men are likely to let their hair go quicker. Like in other words, they're less likely to be um, proactive about it mm-hmm. because it's, it's accepted in society. A man's bald, it's normal. What's right. the big deal, right? So maybe a younger guy is not happy about that and will do more. And that's what I see. I see younger men who are having hair loss much earlier in life. They're coming to me saying, I don't want to be like my dad. My dad was 20 years you know, older when this happened uh-huh. to him. I don't want that to happen. But but just to like double back, I just want to make sure we're not we're we're on the same page and the audience is on the same page between scarring and non-scarring. The processes that cause them are very different. The okay. non-scarring side is a lot of the hormonal issues, the androgenetic, the telogen effluvium. What that really means is that the follicles are itself are not scarred. They are simply miniaturized. They're kind of dormant and sleeping. And right. we want to reawaken them. This is why men benefit from, you know, convert, you know, blocking that conversion to that more potent testosterone. And also we do other treatments for the, for, uh, you know, non-scarring hair loss. Um, but I don't want to get too into that because then we're going to not, I want to, let's unpack the scarring side before we get into that. Right. But the point I'm making is, is that we have the ability to still a- awaken those follicles up and, and get them back into high gear. Now, of course, if a man is coming to us with a very advanced pattern, it's probably too late. And even even so, you know, even for some hair transplants, which by the way, Beverly, I didn't mention, that's one of the things I'm going to be start, starting to offer in my practice next year sometime. That is, um, you, are dy- you are dynamic. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. We have to talk, we, I want to touch on that just a little bit. I do sure. want to do treatment. So let's hold on that for a second. Yes. So yes. that's so, scarring and non-scarring. Yes. So let me go back. To women. Mm-hmm. Sure. So while men, if they're really advanced, are going to be difficult to treat, that still doesn't mean they're scarred. It only means that the follicles are so miniaturized, we're, it's really at a point where we can't awaken it with medicines alone. Uh, that's when they might need a transplant, if they're even a candidate at that point, because you have to have the hair amount to do that, the okay. donor hair. But. So how do you, how can you tell the difference? Sure. So clinically, there's there are certain giveaways. Okay. There's certain, and then within the scarring alopecias, there's different entities, different conditions, different diagnoses. Many of them are autoimmune. One, for example, is called lichen planopilaris. So when we're looking at a scalp, if I'm seeing a lot of redness, inflammation, if I'm seeing a certain pattern, especially in African American women with when they have a a an area in the vertex scalp. Where the right. hair is gone, I think of cicatricial, you know, central to typical um, uh, scarring alopecia. So, so that's one entity where we need to treat with anti-inflammatories. Then that lichen planopilaris condition, that is it. That there's also inflammation there. So I, I see evidence of other disease in the scalp in many times. Now, a lot of these women might also have a, a touch of female pattern. I'm not saying they don't. Right. I'm not saying they don't, but the by and large, the main driver to their hair loss is that entity that's causing scarring. And the way I tease it out is not only by looking at them, 
It's by doing that, that questionnaire, which is very important to me, because that's going to tell me what kind of set this off. When did it set off? How acute was it? Was it gradual? Was it sudden? And then that, that's going to have me sift out the categories. And then finally, if I'm not 100% sure, um, you know, I, and even if I'm not 90% sure, I will do a punch biopsy. We take, you know, we the ability to take that piece of uh, skin from the scalp, that specimen, and have the pathologist analyze those follicles is is really, you know, crucial and helpful for us as well. And so the biopsy tells you if the follicle was miniaturized? It's going to tell us whether we're in the scarring or the non-scarring category. That's if you weren't able to assess that from the questionnaire and just right. um, eyeballing it, kind of giving it an, an eyeball evaluation. Right. So, and, um, and I don't, I don't always jump to a biopsy, but if a person comes to me and they say to me, I have gone to many people, I have not, it has not gotten better. We've tried this, this, and this. They've tried that, that, and that. Nothing has helped me. I might say right then and there, have you had a biopsy? Okay. Do you have it? Let's do it. So it all really depends on how the person presents. So, you know, if it's someone fresh who hasn't really looked into, you know, treating their, their scalp or hair condition in the past, then we might not do that right away. I might tease right. things out, try different things. Um, the other thing I want to point out, which is very critical, is also is also um, checking labs. You know, we, there's certain other things in the body that when they're off, they can have an impact on your hair. More so when it's a, a, a non-scarring with the androgenetic, but even so, I, it's very important to optimize your thyroid function, your iron function, your vitamin D, for example. And I might even do a hunt for to make sure there isn't any autoimmune conditions going on because any of those out of whack are going to have an impact on on hair. Several questions for the person listening: If there, no one is going to be able to self-diagnose. That's why I always tell everyone: Please, if you are experiencing hair loss or think that you may be go get at least a, an evaluation, just go see a professional, go see a dermatologist who specializes because you're not going to be able to just look in the mirror and eyeball it yourself. That's number one. But for right. someone who may be concerned based on what you're saying, or, oh my God, I have all these, these, these symptoms. Could there be an underlying autoimmune, autoimmune condition? What are some of those tests that they can take to determine whether or not there is an autoimmune condition? So based on if I, if, you know, first of all, I'd ask them a lot of questions. Are you having joint pains? Are you having rashes? Are you having, you know, other scalp issues? Is it in your family? These are things I would ask. And then what blood tests we look at, we might, we were checking ANA, which is a, an antibody that's sort of like a broad marker for an autoimmune condition. The problem with an ANA is it's not very, it's not a hundred percent accurate in terms of if you, you can have a positive result and still not have an autoimmune condition. So, you know, it, it, this is where our rheumatology friends <laughs> come into play. But, but really, you know, broadly speaking, you can pretty much determine whether there is some kind of autoimmune component going on. It just might be hard to pinpoint which one. And that's when I bring them into, you know, I, I would refer them to my colleagues as well to help us out if it gets really complicated. But the interesting thing is, is that regardless of what it is, you know, this is where you have to treat with anti-inflammatories. This is why with scarring alopecia, it's very important to know whether you're dealing with non-scarring or scarring, because you're going to treat scarring alopecia with, with steroids, cortisones. You're going to inject them with uh, topical, you know, with, um, with steroid, and then you're going to have them apply topical steroids and anti-inflammatory um, uh, topical ointments at home as well. So it's a very different approach than treating hormonally 
for the androgenetic or, you know, something like that. Okay, so so I want to go back because I missed it and I want to make sure no one else did. Sure. So there's, is you treat scarring and non-scarring differently. If it's scarring, you're saying you treat with an anti-inflammatory or if it's non-scarring, you treat with an anti-inflammatory so, and steroid. So interestingly, okay. So predominantly when it's scarring, we're going to go for, for our anti-inflammatory because it's, it's, it can, it's usually a presence of inflammation that's causing the scars in the first place, causing those follicles to really, you know, to close up and, and, and we want to get rid of that. So especially also in an autoimmune scenario, we really want to get rid of that. Right. So that's going to be there now I, to throw a wrench into it, to throw a wrench into what you're not, what not that complicated enough. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. But, um, with telogen effluvium, interestingly enough, we don't understand the mechanism of action quite so well. We do know there's that connection between physical and psychological stress and what have you that cause your hair. But the the thinking is that there is probably an acute inflammatory response that's triggered because I think our bodies, when we're stressed, we produce a lot of cortisol. That causes an inflammatory state in the body. This is where the integrative approach sort of comes in. But even from a non-integrative approach, my other derm colleagues are all doing this. When someone comes in and they're saying, I'm shedding, I'm shedding, I'm shedding, I was stressed from COVID, what do I do? One of the first things I think a lot of us do is actually inject with steroid right then and there because we want to shut down that inflammation. It's different though. It's not a long-term gain. This is a temporary shutdown of a process that's going on. You know it's going to end. The nice thing about telogen effluvium, we tell them it's temporary. Six months to a year from when that stressor was lifted, uh, you will see your hair is going to you know, return. Oh, that's good to know. Are you, are you listening? All it is. Are you listening? All my postpartum ladies that are crying constantly. I do this. This is very important for the postpartum ladies. I have them come in as soon as they de- deliver, and we we inject them, and this shuts that down before it even gets to. A point. And are these cortisone? Are these cortisone shots? The topical steroids? No, we actually just we we have it in the office. It's intralesional. We we inject it into the scalp. I don't even have them do it at home. They don't need it. They literally, I have them. I do have them go on minoxidil. Minoxidil is really something I have everybody do at home. And part of the reason well, I have them do it, everybody, everybody, I have go on it. If they're not breastfeeding, I mean, you know, the problem is if they're breastfeeding, okay. I stay away. But but what I'm saying is, um, if if someone comes in with telogen effluvium for other reasons, you know, I still would add minoxidil to the to the uh, mix there. Um, but the injections I do postpartum. The injections we do postpartum. We also have we also work with um, we carry some supplements in our office, and we um, you know we were big proponents of a brand called Nutrafol, and they actually put out a postpartum formula recently. So, you know, there are options. A lot of these are safe herbals and supplements that are while nursing. So, you know, there, there are options for the postpartum ladies, but by and large treating it quickly. And before it starts, if you had your second kid and you know what that first kid, you shed like crazy, come on in, we'll inject, we will, we will shut that process down as best. By the way, I want to interject for my audience. And I just want to say guys, by the way, there's a special giveaway today. Uh, Dr. Saini is offering a free consultation in her office. So if you're in the Northeast area and you want a free consultation, you're worried and you're like, this is too much stuff. I can't figure it out. Not only is she offering a free consultation, but 20% off the products in her office and procedures. So that Nutrafol that she's talking about, you can get 20% off. Or if there's a procedure that you would want, that's going to help you with your either scarring or non-scarring hair loss, 
check her out, okay? So I'm gonna leave the information in the box down below so that you guys can follow and kind of follow through with her and follow up, okay? If you win the giveaway, so I'll give you more information on that soon. So- You know, I wanted to mention, Beverly, one, one of the procedures that we do that is um, for both scarring and non-scarring and depends on who, if you're a candidate is platelet-rich plasma, the Let's PRP. Yep, and that's one of them ones that we're giving, you know, we're doing the, the deep deep discounts on. So um, platelet-rich plasma is where we, we draw the blood okay. from the, the patient. We spin it down in a high-speed centrifuge. And what we're doing is we're separating out their platelet-rich plasma from the rest of the blood. Mm -hmm. And why we're doing that is that that plasma is actually chock full of growth factors and other what we call cytokines that actually support the hair follicle. So, so I want to step back before you move forward. To, to people yes. who don't know what a growth factor is, what is a growth right. factor? It's just, a, you know, what we produce in our bodies that actually support, you know, basically what it's saying, we support growth. Okay. Um, so we're, we're re-delivering. So we all produce it, but sometimes if you're, if, you know, in a, in a scenario like hair loss, where the follicles are miniaturized, everything's sleeping, we need to kick it open. We need to reawaken them. So what mm -hmm. are we going to do? We're going to deliver it right where it's at. We're not going to rely on our body. Our body's not doing a good enough job. Mm -hmm. We got to help ourselves out. So we're taking stuff from our body, our platelets, our platelet-rich plasma. We're, we're, we're getting that those growth factors and we're delivering them exactly where they need to be. And, and, and it's, it's helpful. It's an, it's another, you know, treatment that it's a, it's another tool in our toolbox. So what are the results usually of PRP and how soon do you see them? So the results of PRP vary. Everyone is not going to respond. Every Not everyone's a great candidate. And just like anything in medicine, I can't tell somebody 100% you're going to grow your hair back. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can't give them a percentage, but I would say the vast majority of people that when selected properly do have some response in conjunction with other treatments. I What I tell my patients with hair loss is, if you can do it, the best thing to do is hit it from every angle. This okay. is not just one thing and move away. You have to approach it from every angle that you possibly can. If you're motivated and you want to do it, this is the best way. So, you know, basically it's, it, we do four monthly sessions and, um, you know, there's really, it's just, it's a little uncomfortable. It's, it's injections in the scalp, but it's okay. once it's done, it's done. It's just temporary discomfort. And after that, you're good to go. And Do you apply we, a, numbing, a, a numbing solution? You know, numbing is tough because it's the scalp. Okay. It's very tough. It's a very tough thing because it's like, it's like a person's whole head. So I, it's a hard thing to do, but we, we utilize, you know, little vibrations. We, we use the gate theory of pain where, you know, uh, we'll push on your scalp elsewhere to kind of trick your brain into thinking that that's what's going on and not the pain. We okay. do different tactics. So, okay. it, it, I mean, it, we get through it as fast as possible, as, as easy as possible. And we have other things. If a person is really needle shy, I have nitrous in the office, for example, like you go to the dentist. So oh, we have really? Yeah, we do. We do. Okay. And okay. So you heard that. There's no excuse, ladies and gents, if you're watching. Right. Um, so I have to be a little self-serving uh, mm -hmm. only because I personally um, was diagnosed with androgenetic alopecia okay. um, and I have a lot of hormonal problems, uh, sure. hormonal uh, issues, usually an influx of testosterone. Okay. Uh, I think it's D-H-E-A-S that's usually uh -huh. elevated in me. Mm -hmm. um, and so how would you treat someone like me? I'm sorry. I had to be a little self-serving guys. So I, I, so, 
<laughs> no, 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 no. That's quite all right. So I see a lot of this. This is a very common, you know, issue when you really know. So even in women that don't have overly high levels of testosterone, they can still have female pattern hair loss. This is the crazy thing because we all carry testosterone anyway, and it's still playing roles. That testosterone causes acne. Right. Teenage girls, plenty of teenage girls have normal testosterone. They're still getting acne. So it's the same story with hair loss. But if you know for a fact that your levels are, are, are a little bit higher, I'm in then, I'm the spectrum of PCOS. Right. Then, yeah. then we have to bring in, then we also bring in our, our OBGYN friends. Um, and, you know, I'm a big fan of a medication called spironolactone. Okay. It's an anti-androgen medication. So it's really suppressing those androgens, which are male hormones, like the testosterone family of hormones. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of that, especially in premenopausal women. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a wonderful drug. We use it for acne. It was a, it was a, it was a lousy blood pressure medication. And that's what you it know, was for. Yes. Years ago, didn't do much. And people thought, well, it, it doesn't do that, but it helped my acne. With so the hair. Now I do have a question about the spironolactone. I did hear a little rumor that you have to reduce your potassium intake. Yeah. Is that true? Because I'm a big avocado girl. I'm a big guacamole girl. So that's why I kind of shied away from it. So, you know, there, I think it got a worse rep years ago. And now I still check potassium, but really when you're under 40, the risks are very low. If you're, if you're under 40 and you have very good functioning kidneys, uh, then it, it's really a non-issue. Now, I wouldn't tell someone to be on a potassium-rich diet where they're having five bananas a day or something, but right. normal amounts, even if you have your guacamole every day, it really is is usually not an issue. Really? Now, once you is how long is the spirulactone treatment? Is it is it temporary or is it permanent for the pretty much? Well, yeah, here's the trick. There's no real endpoint. We don't have a, a gauge where it says you're only going to be on it for X amount of months. We right. do check your lab work. We won't start you until you're, we check your lab work, you know, and then we'll monitor you as we go up on the dose. We're going to monitor those labs um, and, and see how you're doing. But, you know, I have tons of women on this drug between my acne patients and my hair loss patients. I have tons and, and they, the vast majority, 90 plus percent have never had an issue on it. The ones that have, it's minor. They, they, they have a minor side. They're not happy with it. They have breast tenderness or they have a little moodiness or, or they're, or they're, it's too much of a diuretic for them. What have you very small percentage. They, okay. The rest have been very, very well. And then we stop it and we move on. But the point is, is that it's, it's really been a game changer for, you know, for uh -huh. us in so while we're on the topic of treatment, right, we've already touched on um, PRP, which is more of a cosmetic treatment. We touched on the, cort uh, the cortisone intralesional shots, right, for as an anti-inflammatory, which is kind of like direct, like a direct, um, direct to the scalp treatment, right? right? I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if we should call that topical. Would that be a topical treatment? Well, in addition to giving somebody uh, injections in the office, I'll prescribe them ointments, you know, at home to apply. So, so that's the topical. The top, so the topical will be more of like a, a cream, something that you're going to put. So what ointment right. do you typically prescribe? Well, a high potency steroid. So a, a, a generic brand. Yeah, a generic version. And how long um, is that for? I know that's not for a long term. That's not forever, but in, in hair loss, we can do it for quite a while, especially really? if it's... Yeah, sometimes it's necessary. Um, you know, there is risk of skin thinning in the scalp, but it's a lot of my patients tell me, look, I don't, it, no one's going to look at my scalp and I don't care if I get like a little bit of that, 
as long as it's working for my hair and it's stopping the progression. And I, that's, that's another point I want to bring up, Beverly. I tell these patients in hair loss, especially scarring, no progression is a win because mm-hmm. it's not always that we can get your hair back, but if we can yeah. shut it down, the loss, the sh- you know, that's also something to celebrate really because the naked eye, how do I know if there's no progression? It's tough. It can be tough. Sometimes we, you know, we have to use our dermatoscopes. Um, this is like our little tool with the, with the magnifier and it lets us look at the, the, the miniature, you know, the, the, the follicles and see if there's any little growth coming in or, right. or, you know, but a lot of my patients are very attuned and they can see when, you know, their hair you know. Is- when you're experiencing hair loss, you're, you're, trust me, I know. Um, so yeah. I want to talk about, I, I want to kind of reel it in because I know this is good and I can keep you here all day. And I, just- I know, and I wanted to mention a couple of little tricks for my patients or for the audience regarding um, some integrative approaches. Yes, if give me one second, because it's exactly where I'm going. I want to wrap okay, this. Good. So yeah, okay. I want to reel it in. So we have the, um, we have the topical ointment, we have the intralesional, we have the PRP, right? We also have the spironolactone. I think let me see. I, I made sure that we had every, oh, and then we had um, the Nutripol, which is the nutraceutical. So something that you yeah. take. So now that was my next question. We're kind of aligned. I wanted to ask now integratively, what can we do to kind of help this multifactorial hair growth approach? Sure. Sure. I want one, I just want to interject one thing before I'm not going to get too into it, but there are other also oral medications that we can give. So just, just oral minoxidil, you know, uh, other anti-inflammatories, just, just so that your audience knows right. that there's expand. So you guys hear that, but it all depends on right. what your cause of hair loss Correct. is. Right? Correct. So that questionnaire is going to determine which topical, which, which kind of concoction or cocktail of treatment that right. you guys are going to receive. Right. That's why and, and we make you a multitude of all of, we you know what you said, like we're not doing one thing. We're doing a little right. everything, right. Or topical and just some, right. And that's why I wanted to kind of bring it as a circle because it's going to be at, at all times, it's going to be a multifactorial approach. Right. So now integratively, right. especially for my, for my ladies who are completely more into holistic homeopathic and they're just like, what can I naturally do? This is great, but I don't want to do all of that. Sure. Sure. So, so, you know, this is very interesting. There's pumpkin seed oil and rosemary oil, believe it or not, they are actually blockers of five alpha reductase, not to the same degree as Propecia, Finasteride and Minoxidil, but they do have, they do function that way. Okay. So take a step back one second. So uh, so that's a, Five alpha reductase. What is that, and how does that right. loss? That's that enzyme that I was telling you about earlier that converts the testosterone to the dihydrotestosterone. You don't want that dihydrotestosterone. That's what causes the hair loss to really accelerate, and that's that's the version um, um, of testosterone that that is the culprit. So we so by you know if someone is you know minoxidil is great, but a lot of people experience a lot of irritation, itching, okay. burning. And if they really can't truly do it and they have a little female pattern starting, I say, all right, let's try the rosemary oil. Let's try the pumpkin seed oil. Very simple. So do you mix those together so that the pumpkin seed oil can dilute the rosemary oil? They can use one or the other, or they can use them both. And so what, to what, what's the concentration that we can use for it to be effective? 
I think, you know, it's funny. I think you could, it, it, I've never had to really dilute it down because it's not irritating. Mm-hmm. So if you could just buy pure, the pure oil and apply it, that's all you really need to do. Really? That is, that is awesome. Pumpkin seed oil and rosemary oil. And this is data that proves that it's a DHT blocker, correct? Well, yes, there have been some very small studies. I mean, nothing to speak of, but they've looked at, you know, um, comparison of like uh, placebo or, or rosemary oil, or they've added um, one other topical ingredient and then added the rosemary oil to it to make, you know, and then compare that to just the, the other ingredient alone. And they've noticed that there's an enhanced effect. Really? And how often would you recommend the use of the pumpkin seed oil? Twice a day, twice, twice. a day. Mm-hmm. And again, it, you can't determine for how long. It's just one of those things we have to monitor. Right. Okay. Right. That is awesome. Is So just out of pure... Oh, another question about pumpkin seed oil, which I know I may get a question that I may get, is is pumpkin seed oil more effective if it's ingested, if it's if you take it, like if you take it from a spoon or if you apply it topically? Apply it directly. Apply it directly. There's no evidence it's going to do anything other, you know, by systemically by taking it internally. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that. I was hoping that would be the answer. Um, sure. Are there any other um, hacks that you have that's integrative? Well, go, getting back to the Nutrafol, I'm a real big fan of these adaptogens, stress okay. adaptogens. So um, about that. What's a stress adaptogen? So stress adaptogen is basically helping your body cope with stress. That's really what it's doing. So it's, it's in a sense, it's almost like a natural relaxation, you know, a, a, a anti-anxiety um, supplement or, or botanical or, or herbal, um, something like ashwagandha. Okay. So ashwagandha is a great supplement that actually does help reduce stress, anxiety. Um, you know, that's one of the supplements that's in Nutrafol. So I, I, you know, that's one of my favorites. That's why I like Nutrafol because you don't have to go take a little of this and a little of this and a little of this. It's all in one. They so kind of that, everything that you need to yeah. all the botanicals yeah. that are pretty beneficial for right. most pathways. Exactly. Saw, saw palmetto is a big one. I'm sure you've heard of that one. Yes. Saw yes. palmetto. Yep. Another, another alpha reductase, five alpha reductase, uh, inhibitor so um so that's also in there so then we have um anti-inflammatories like turmeric i'm sure you've been hearing a lot about turmeric everywhere for the skin for the body for the scalp you know it's been around yeah that's Mm -hmm. awesome that's awesome Mm -hmm. listening so instead of you guys running to amazon and buying all of these individually and taking 20 different supplements yeah all wrapped up into neutrophil um, and you said, lastly, you did say that they have a new postpartum um, salu- uh, yes. concoction. What Now, what, what's yeah. different? You know, I'm, I got to look more into that. But I think what, what it is, it's going to be like they're going to remove certain certain um, supplements that shouldn't women that are, you know, breastfeeding okay. shouldn't. Breastfeeding. They, they released it relatively recently. So we're, we're going to be introducing it shortly. Okay. Well, I listen, I can keep you here all day, but that was so good. I feel full, like fed, because you gave so much information. And I know that, and I believe that it was given in a way that was so digestible to the audience. But if you guys have any questions, I mean, please, of course, you can reach out to us, but I would like for you guys to find out where they can find you. So if you can let um, the Supernaturals know, Dr. Saini, where they can find you. 
Sure. So we are located in New York City. We actually have three offices. We have one in Manhattan. Um, I don't know if you want, um, you know, specifics right now, or will you post? Yeah, we'll leave it in the, we'll leave the information in the box and then the link to all to your um, site. Great. So we're located in Manhattan. Then we're located in Jamaica and Queens, as well as Rockaways, the Rockaway Park area. Um, really? Rockaway and Queens, yes. Now I have to ask because some people want to know: Will they get you? Yes. Oh. If they're calling, if they are calling from your show for hair loss, they will get me. Yes. You got. First of all, I feel so honored by that. Thank you so much. So listen, if you're calling, okay, from the Supernaturals podcast. You're going to get to see Dr. Saini herself, okay? This right here is amazing, okay? This is like seeing the Beyonce of hair loss, guys. Okay? <laughs> of skin, of dermatology, okay? She's so good. Thank you so much, Dr. Saini. It was a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Beverly, you know, I wanted to interject one, one last yeah. point just to remind our, our audience members. Um, remember, even though things are herbs, supplements, and what have you, they are still, they're, they're, they can still have side effects and they can still, you know, have, uh, they might not be appropriate for everyone at every time. Like we talked about the postpartum um, neutrophil versus other formulas. So I wanted to alert your, you know, audience members that they should really seek out a professional before embarking on these things to make sure it's proper, you know, it's it's appropriate for them. And it's appropriate for you. See, I yeah. love that. There's that fair and balance. That's that that's yes. the professional and that's the dermatology and the doctor in her. Okay, guys, she has to make sure she puts it out there. Well, thank you so much for adding that point. And um, listen, please don't be a stranger. I would love for you. Oh, to I had a great time. This was so much fun. Yes, it thank was. You. And she has a great voice, guys. So hopefully, she'll be launching her own podcast soon, one day. All right. Thank you so much. All right. We'll have you back. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.